what it do welcome to the hooping with row podcast i am your host ryan oliver aka row and on this edition of the hooping with row podcast i really want to dive into a few major topics in the nba those topics are the kyrie irving saga going on uh, with the brooklyn nets james harden wanting out of houston uh, which came to another head last night after an embarrassing loss to the los angeles lakers and we'll talk about what the league should do with its COVID issue. But let's start with Kyrie Irving. I've long been a person that has said that Kyrie Irving was overrated. And I get a lot of pushback for that. People call me a Kyrie Irving hater. But when I say overrated, my longtime stance has been, one, his impact on winning, and two, his impact on his team. And that that goes in a multitude of ways. Let's start with what's going on right now in Brooklyn, and then we'll backtrack a little bit to previous things that have happened with Kyrie Irving and his impact on his team. The Brooklyn Nets are a team that have a new head coach, a first-time head coach in Steve Nash. Kevin Durant is coming back after missing an entire season, coming back from an Achilles injury, and he's trying to find his his footing. He looks phenomenal. But he's still getting his legs under him after only, you know, playing 10 games or so, so far in the NBA. He just sat out a week for a quarantine. So he's a guy trying to find his footing. That Nets team has a lot of new parts. You're adding uh, Kyrie Irving missed a lot of, uh, of time last year with the, with his shoulder injury. He sat out a lot of games. You have a lot of new guys trying to find their role. You have a new coach, as I mentioned. And Kyrie Irving is AWOL. He didn't show up to the game a few days ago, text his teammates reportedly, but didn't tell Steve Nash, the coach of the team, didn't tell Sean Marks, the GM of the team, didn't tell his, his higher-ups where he was, where what he was going to do, why he wasn't at the game. Uh, they said that he was out for personal reasons. Um, it's been reported that he is going to miss the rest of this week's games. I believe that's two or three more games for the Nets. They won last night. Kevin Durant put on a high caliber MVP level performance to get them the victory, but he's having to carry that ship or, uh, excuse me, drive that ship without his co-pilot in, in uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. And it's not fair to that team that Kyrie Irving is just not showing up to work. Uh, the, the word on the street is, is that he is um, feeling some type of way after the riots on, on the Capitol. And look, as a black man myself, as a human being in this country, I understand the feeling of of what that feels like. I get that he probably isn't in a great a great space, but just like everyone else, we still had work on Monday. Kyrie Irving has a job. He's contractually obligated to show up to work. And just like you and I, if we're not showing up to work, we tell our our uh, manager or a boss, or whatever that word is for the person that is a higher up when you're an employee, you tell them you're not showing up to work. How do you think it feels to be a teammate of Kyrie Irving and he doesn't show up? He's not there for the team, but he wants to be a leader of the team. You know, and this is kind of the Kyrie Irving conundrum that has kind of plagued his career. And it's one of the reasons I've been critical of him. Look, Kyrie Irving is a good guy. He has a good heart. I truly believe that. This isn't to say he's a bad a bad guy. 
Do I think at times he's a poor teammate? I do. It's You can be both. You can be a good guy. I believe that Kyrie Irving has donated to, to the WNBA. He's donated to small businesses. He He's a good guy. He has a good heart. He wants to do good. I don't, I don't think that is not the case. It is the case. He's a good guy. But there have been numerous cases where he's been a bad teammate, where he, ha- he hasn't handled himself the way you have to do if you're the leader of a team. And quite frankly, it's not fair to his teammates. But people make excuses for him. Oh, well, you know, he's just different or he, yes, he probably is different and that's okay. This isn't a criticism of him being different. This is a criticism of his actions. And reportedly, reports came out yesterday that his teammates and the team, the management, the coaching staff, they're unhappy with with him. It's starting to grate on, on them, his actions. And this is not the first team or the first time this has happened. Let's take a step back. Kyrie Irving, before the season started, was on a pod, podcast with Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's podcast. He asked a question about the coaching situation in Brooklyn. He makes a comment about the coaching be a, being a collaborative effort and essentially comes across as a bit undermining of Steve Nash. Now, look, do I believe that Kyrie Irving meant to undermine Steve Nash? I don't honestly believe that. But at the same time, as the leader of a team, you have to understand how that comes across. Steve Nash is a first-time head coach. He's an all-time great point guard in the NBA. He's highly respected, a highly intelligent basketball mind, a two-time MVP in a winner on the court, he's going to be a good head coach. Whether he's a great head coach now remains to be seen. He's going to be a good head coach in my eyes. But you kind of undermining him before the season even starts, that's a bad look. Let's fast forward a little bit, a little further before the season starts. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He leaves a statement for the media. Oh, well, you know, I had I had people say, oh, well, he just doesn't want to talk to the media. You know, I can understand. He just doesn't want to talk to the media. He wants to focus on basketball. Guys, just like you and I are contractually obligated when we sign up for a job. So, so some jobs aren't contractually obligated. Let me say it like this. Just like you and I are obligated to show up to our nine to five job. Or whether it's work from home, we have to log on to our Zoom meeting. And if we don't, there's going to be consequences and repercussions. Kyrie Irving is getting paid millions of dollars. to He signed a contract that contractually obligates him to talk to the media. Whether you want to talk to them or not, you signed a legally binding contract that obligates you to talk to the media at certain times. Whether that's before the game or after the game, at certain media sessions, before the season, at media day. It is a contractual obligation. So you telling me or telling telling other people or telling the league that you don't feel like it is unacceptable. Now, look. People have bad days. And, so, and if it was one time after a loss, 
you say, hey, you know, I really don't want to talk to the media today. People, people could understand that if it happens once, if it happens twice. But you can't just say, oh, I'm not talking to the media because you don't want to. And then the thing that that is annoying about Kyrie Irving to me is he plays victim when people call him on something that he said or his actions. If they want to hold him accountable for it, it's it's a, you know, well, I want to focus on my art and you guys aren't allowing me to and I don't have to to be subjected to someone else's propaganda is a literal quote from him. And he called the media pawns in a statement on an Instagram post. The media are a conduit to the fans. For people like me, and probably you if you're listening to this podcast, you like to read articles after the game. You want to be updated on, you know, how Kevin Durant feels after getting a big win. The media provides that outlet. Now, is the media perfect? Absolutely not. Do I sometimes get frustrated with the media? Just like everyone else I do. If I was a player and if I was in Kyrie Irving's shoes, would I want to talk to the media all the time? I probably wouldn't. But if I'm making $25 plus million plus a season to play basketball, and I signed a legally binding contract that obligates me to talk to the media, I would show up to do my job just like I show up to do my job now that doesn't pay me millions of dollars. When you're contractually obligated to do something that you signed that contract, you have to show up and do your job, sir. And now you're just out because, you know, what? look, if Kyrie Irving is out because of a, a death in the family, because of something serious like that, you know, please, God, God bless him. Watch over him. I hope his mental state is, is okay. This isn't to say that he, if, look, if you have, uh, you know, a mental, you're having a, some mental, mental issues and you need help. These NBA organizations can provide that help. The only thing I'm asking and the Nets are asking in my opinion, is that you communicate what you need. You communicate what's going on. You can't just not show up. If you had said, hey, I'm not in a good mental space. I need a week off. I need some time to get myself together. I think the Nets would have said, okay, Kyrie, we, we're, we stand with you. We understand that. These are tough times. People are depressed. People can't leave the house. These basketball players are asked to travel and they can't leave their hotel rooms. They're not supposed to now with the COVID protocol restrictions. I get it. I get how your mental state may not be great. With all that's going on in our society, in our country, I could understand that. I think everyone can understand that. But not showing up is unacceptable. And if I'm the Nets... Look, this is kind of what you signed up for when you when you assigned Kyrie and KD. They both can be a little moody. But Kyrie especially has a has a history of doing this. And this is why, to me, 
when people talk about Kyrie Irving, I say, hey, I'm not really a fan. I think he's overrated. Look, Kyrie Irving is a magician with the basketball. He is perhaps the best ball handler of all time. If you said that, I wouldn't disagree with you. But I've long said that to me, if I'm building a team, I don't want anything to do with Kyrie Irving. He's an overrated player in my eyes. And it's not just talent. See, look, people look at things so through this one scope. Oh, well, Kyrie Irving can average 25 points and six assists and four rebounds and, and this and that. That's that's awesome. No one's saying he's not a special basketball player. He is special. But when you're when you have his talent, when you're when you're asked or and you tell people you want to be a leader of a team, the stuff that comes along with Kyrie, I'm not for. And that's part of what you are as a player. Part of what makes LeBron so great is his impact on on his teammates, his impact on winning. Being a good teammate impacts winning. Being being someone that people can get along with and deal with comes with winning. It helps your team have better chemistry to win. That's what makes players like LeBron so great. People like playing with Damian Lillard because he's a good guy and a good teammate. He's both. Kyrie Irving is a good guy. He's not the best teammate. And I think that, you know, people say, oh, you're, you're, you're hating on him. You, you, you know, you'll criticize whatever he does. No. If you look at the track record of Kyrie Irving, the only time he's really contributed to winning at a high level is when he had the best player perhaps of all time, arguably, in LeBron James, in his prime. That was the the years that Kyrie won were the years he had LeBron. Kyrie Irving might be one of the best Robins of all time. If he's your second guy and he's playing at his highest level, he's a phenomenal second guy. But if he's your best player or a player you have to really rely on night to night in the regular season, I feel like there's more evidence that points to him just being pretty good. Yeah, he'll put up 27 points. He's doing he's doing that in Brooklyn. Oh, and he plays, he puts up 27 points and it looks great. Last season, his first season in Brooklyn, when he played, he put up 27 points a game. They weren't winning. They didn't have good chemistry. But he, oh, hey, he averages 27 points. People get so wrapped up. And, oh, he looks so good out there. He's one of the best players to watch. If we're, if we're talking about dribbling and finishing at the rim and, and how pretty his game is, Kyrie Irving's at the top of the list in terms of how it looks. He's right up there with the Kevin Durants, the, the you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, when the way Klay Thompson shoots, LeBron, the way he dominates. He's right up there with those guys in terms of how fun it is to watch when AD is on his defense, when James Harden is acting acting right and playing hard and doing his thing and putting up 40-point triple-doubles. 
Kyrie Irving at his best is is a lot of fun to watch. I agree with that. But if you're talking about impact on winning, I don't see it like everyone else sees it. Kyrie Irving's first three seasons in the NBA, he his first season as a rookie, 21 wins with the Cavs, 24 wins his second season, and 33 wins his third season. Then LeBron came, they won 53. Following year, they won 57. The following year, they won 51. And those are with LeBron. He goes to Boston. The team has him, Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Al Horford. Hayward had his injuries, we know. Brown and Tatum were young. I I know what people are going to say in argument to this. Horford was on the back end of his prime in those years. They had a team that, that was less than the sum of their parts. And this is a guy that said he wanted to be a leader. This is why he didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. He didn't want to be the second fiddle to LeBron anymore. He wanted his own team. And he goes to Boston. The chemistry was really weird. His second season, you could see it. They weren't on the same page. And look, I'm not saying that that his teammates hated him. By all accounts, Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum, they liked Kyrie as a guy. I think that Kyrie's probably a cool guy. If you're just hanging out with him, he might be different, but he's cool. I have friends that I might feel like are a little different from me, but they're cool guys. I like hanging out with them. Kyrie's probably like that. You know, you like hanging with him, like kicking it. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but if he's a leader of my team, that Boston team fizzled out in the playoffs. Kyrie looked disinterested. They looked, they lost to the Bucks in five games since the last season in, in Boston. And he looked like he, he wanted nothing else to do but be off the court. I know that he was dealing with, with some personal stuff. I understand that 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 takes a toll on people. But look, we're all dealing with stuff, okay? We still got to show up to work and produce. We're all dealing with stuff, I promise you. You got to show up to work. You got to show up to do what you're contractually obligated to do. And I've long said Kyrie Irving is overrated to me. You know, people, yeah, people, they put out these top, top player lists. Kyrie Irving is always in the top 15. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know. Wait, what do y'all see that I don't see? What do y'all see that I don't see? I know he can handle the ball. Oh, he's so beautiful handling the ball. Man, he's nice. He's the he's an amazing hooper. I agree. You can still be a top 25 player and be amazing. All NBA look look look. If you're at the upper echelon of the NBA, you're a, you're a, you are you are a dope hooper. You're a dope. Kyrie Irving is an amazing basketball player. I'm not saying he's not amazing. But somehow he has the most inflated view of of his impact on winning he what i ask people when they when we when i talk to Kyrie about Kyrie excuse me give me an instance of Kyrie making his teammates better when has he made his team better did he raise the ceiling for that Boston team or did they go to the conference finals without him one year when he was hurt did he raise their ceiling does the way he play does the way he plays basketball is that always conducive to winning
I mean, I'm when he had LeBron, him being the second guy to LeBron worked. If you go back and look at every team LeBron's played on, LeBron's made it work, okay? So that's not the best argument, in my opinion, to Kyrie's impact. Yes, I know he has a ring. He hit that big that big shot to win the finals for the Cavs. He's a good clutch shooter. I'm, you can't take that away from him. He's a great shooter in the clutch, for sure. He's a great offensive player, for sure. That, that No one's taking that away from him. I'm talking about his impact on winning when he's not played with LeBron. You know, you... You ask these other guys, you ask Dame, you ask the John Walls to carry teams that don't have great rosters, right? And, you know, people want to say Kyrie Irving is better because, oh, well, he won a ring and this and that. It's like, okay, but the team he won a ring with had LeBron and Kevin Love on it. If you have LeBron more times than not, you're going to the finals. Just look at his resume. AD went from a guy that people talked about couldn't make the playoffs. He gets on a team with LeBron. He was he's perhaps one, you know, the best defensive player in the league. And that's not because of LeBron, but having LeBron takes some of the pressure off AD offensively. He'll still dominate, but he can focus on what his real strengths are, and that's being an all-world defender, maybe the best defender in the league. When you get to play off LeBron, Kyrie Irving could just focus on scoring points without being double teamed because he wasn't the main guy. People had to worry about. People had to worry about LeBron James. So, yeah, it's a little easier for you to score and to get your buckets. And you don't have to worry about making your teammates better because LeBron's making you guys better. LeBron's making you better. So I challenge people to really open their eyes and look at Kyrie for what he is. He's a great basketball player. Perhaps one of the one of the best second play. If he's your second all-star, you're probably in good shape. Or, or if you have a guy like LeBron and he's the compliment, or a guy like KD and he's the compliment, okay, you're probably set. The guy's not a great leader of a team. He's a, a good guy, good heart, bad teammate most of the time. And I think that the stats the team stats when he when he plays and doesn't play and the team still those teams still win without Kyrie a lot of those big 27 point games and 30 point games and that looks good on paper but is it impacting winning at a high level and to be honest since Kyrie has been away from LeBron he hasn't impacted winning on any type of real level and that's just that's just being honest so what he's doing now, I think, is unfair to his team. I think it's unfair to Steve Nash. I think it's unfair to Kevin Durant and the rest of his Brooklyn teammates. I think it's not fair to management because you're just absent. You're just not showing your face and you're not communicating well. I'm sure there's been more communication that's been reported at this point. But originally, there was no word on what was going on with Kyrie. Kyrie did show up. So uh, uh, like a Zoom a Zoom call fundraiser uh, for some type of political candidate in uh, in New York in Manhattan, and you're there, but your team played last night, and you're not there. There's no reported injuries. You're just out for personal reasons. Not to mention, I, I failed to mention that 
the NBA is investigating Kyrie Irving being maskless at his sister's 30th birthday party within this time frame and being out for personal reasons. That's selfish on a number of levels because it breaks the, the NBA's protocols for COVID safety. So now, you know, look, we have guys in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother. And he lost other family members too, to COVID, if I'm not incorrect. I know at least one other family member he lost to COVID aside from his mother. And he has to play against you guys, other NBA teams every night. And you're out with a mask, without a mask at a party. You're not supposed to be at a party one. You know, people rational, oh, well, you just at a party. You know, oh, he was, it was his sister's birthday. Yes. Alex Caruso was in the bubble. He sacrificed being at his sister's wedding to try to win a championship. Okay. So a lot of people are making sacrifices here. Okay. We're all making sacrifices. I had, I had my birthday. I didn't have a party. I didn't get to go to a party on my birthday because it was COVID and it's okay. This is the circumstance we're all trying to get through. I think Kyrie Irving is being selfish, man. I wouldn't want to deal with the head case that, that is Kyrie Irving. A lot of talent, one of the most talented athletes in the NBA, but dealing with him to me isn't worth it because one, he doesn't impact winning at a high enough level for it to matter. For, for for what I mean is for for me to have to deal with what comes along with Kyrie Irving, I it, to me it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Managing your website, marketing, and advertising yourself can be a headache. Your website looks unprofessional. Your company never comes up in the search engine searches. You have tried advertising on Google or social media, but have nothing to show for it. Fortunately, Social Access is here to help businesses just like yours. The Social Access Marketing Complete Suite allows you to manage all your marketing, advertising, and website design in one place with your own dedicated team of experts. Between work and family, you don't have time to learn how to design a website and get in front of the right people. Let the team at Social Access worry about that for you. Ask about the Marketing Complete Suite today. Visit socialaccess.com, that's socialxcess.com, or call 214 214- 612-5401 today. But speaking of another superstar who's a, being a bit of a head case and an enigma for his team, uh, James Harden, you know, he got as close to publicly, got as close as you can to publicly demanding a trade as you can get for a player. James Harden, after a law, an embarrassing loss to the Los Angeles Lakers last night, he essentially said, look, I love this city. I've done all I can do. But we're just not good enough from a chemistry standpoint, from a talent standpoint. We're just not good enough to beat a team like the Lakers, essentially is what he said. And I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that was the gist of his quote. And he said, okay, thanks, and got up. And, and that was the end of his media session after that embarrassing loss. I was one of the people at the beginning of the Rockets should trade Harden kind of idea. I said this after they got eliminated. I did a podcast and I said, you know, if I was Houston, I don't think they'll do it, but they should look into trading Harden because the writing's on the wall. The team has hit has hit its peak with Harden. There's not really a way to get better. They don't have many assets. And this is this is before the wall trade and, you know, getting Wood and Cousins. I just looked at their team back when they had Russ and, and kind of that group. And I said, this team isn't good enough, and and Harden 
can get you a lot of assets now if you move them. If I'm Houston, I do that. Um, and things have really fallen off the rails since then. They brought in Wall. They made some nice moves. Brought in Wall, brought in Christian Wood. I think they should move on from James Harden. I've long thought that at this point. I think that, again, what Harden is doing is a bit selfish. It's selfish from this standpoint. Two two major things here. First, you have Steven Silas, who's a, a blackhead coach, getting his first opportunity after almost two decades in the NBA. He's getting his first opportunity to be a head coach. Black people don't get a lot of opportunities like that opportunity. And to me, as a black person himself and James Harden, it's a bit selfish to me to essentially sabotage Silas's first opportunity to be a head coach. And you've basically made the first few months of his as it the first few months of his tenure as head coach, you've made very difficult for him. And I know it's not personal, you know, between heart, you know, with, with James Harden, he just wants to be out of Houston. And I understand that I can understand why he wants to, he wants to maximize. It's been reported. And I, I just would imagine this to be true. He wants to maximize his prime. He only probably has a couple more years left of playing the basketball at the level he's used to playing it at and playing it on a team that has no shot at winning anything is not what he wants to do i understand that and things run their course and i do understand where he's coming from on a level but again you're contractually obligated to play basketball and you sabotaging your team because you don't want to be there he showed up to camp late for partying with little baby without a mask so he had to be in covid protocols he Showed up, he looks out of shape. He looks like about 15 pounds too heavy. And James Harden can put up numbers in his sleep, so his numbers look okay, even though he's put up. Uh, ESPN reported, you know, James Harden scored 20 points or less for the fourth straight game. This is the longest streak of that since the 2011-2012 season, which was his final his final year in OKC. He can score 20 plus points in his sleep, but not, in his sleep, but now he's just not even playing with any effort. Last night was embarrassing. He just looks like he's just loafing around out there, not even trying. It's it's selfish. It's unfair to Steven Silas. Secondly, it's unfair to John Wall. John Wall has been out of basketball for two full calendar years. And he's get he's just been traded to the to the Rockets. He's been through so much. Knee surgery, Achilles tear. John Wall lost his mother. The dude wants to play basketball and and get back to just playing basketball at a high level. And I think Harden and him are cool off the court, but I think that John Wall is 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 frustrated with him because you're sabotaging my return to basketball too because you're being a bit selfish. Look, if you're here, you're on the court, you need to give 100% effort. I get that Harden's trying to play his leverage a certain way, and I'm sure John Wall gets that, but it's frustrating. And Wall said after the game told the media said, when you have certain guys that don't want to buy in, it's hard. When asked about developing chemistry with Harden, he said, it's been a bit rocky. I don't think it's been the best. That's all I can say. When asked about Harden's direct comments about the team not being good enough, he said no comment. And he said that, you know, Harden's entitled to that opinion. I think, you know, Harden... I understand him not wanting to be there, but the way the way he's going about it to me is just it's a bit unfair. It's not fair that you're 
doing that to these guys, to your teammates. Look, that team might not be good enough to win a championship, but the team isn't horrible. They have James, uh, excuse me, they have John Wall, who looks about 85% of the guy we're used to seeing. The speed's still there. Him and Wall aren't a perfect fit because Wall needs the ball in his hands, and so does Harden. So it's not a seamless fit. But Harden, you're going to have to compromise if you want to play with anyone. If you He wants to be traded to Brooklyn. But if you go to Brooklyn, you're going to be playing with Kevin Durant at a minimum, but probably Kyrie too. And those are both guys that are pretty ball dominant. So if you can't share the ball well with John Wall, how do you plan on sharing the ball well with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? And the Houston got you Christian Wood. Christian Wood is a very good player. He's like Anthony Davis light. Like he's a light version of Anthony Davis. Not the defender Anthony Davis is, but on offense, he can really get you buckets. He's a great role man for Harden. To me, the Rockets team has a lot of talent. Are they going to be a championship team? Probably not. But they look like they're about one piece away from a, a, a team. If they got buy-in from Harden, you know, P.J. Tucker doesn't seem like he wants to be there either. I know he's had some issues with the, with the front office and different stuff. But, you know, it's a it's just a bit selfish. I, I think the Rock, he's forcing the Rockets' hand, which is what he's trying to do. He's trying to put the pressure on them to feel obligated to move him. And at this point, the Rockets probably should just send Harden home and try to just win games with Wall and, and the guys that do buy in. Because having a having a, a half-assed James, James Harden isn't helping anybody. He looks so he looks like he's just so indifferent on the court all the time now. This in especially the past few games. He just looks so indifferent. It looks like he came out the first couple of games of the season to say, okay, I'm gonna show you guys how I can still get buckets. But now that I did that, I don't want y'all to think that I'm here to stay. I know there was a report that came out after or excuse me, before the game against the Lakers they played last night, saying, Oh, well, Houston is um, you know kind of feeling like that they're going to be able to keep Harden for this season. Then they're not going to be forced to trade him this season. And I bet Harden saw that and said, okay, hold on. Like, let, let I don't want them to get too comfortable with the idea of me playing well and wanting to be here. So I'm going to just put, put in a little effort and make them get the, get the picture. You know, I, I don't want to be here and him going out and talking to, and telling the media, essentially, I want to be traded. I've given all I can give here, but I don't want to be here. Is that's basically what he said. He didn't say that verbatim, but that's that's what he said. That was him saying, "Okay, I'm forcing y'all hand. I don't want to waste this season. I want a chance to compete, and I want y'all to trade me." And I and I've said on this podcast before, I think the best destination for him is Denver. I really do. I think that Denver needs a jolt in the arm. Denver's lost Jeremy Grant uh, this past season. Jeremy Grant's playing really well in Detroit. And Michael Porter Jr. has been out. I think that the team could use what James Harden has to offer if James Harden can commit to playing a little bit more of a team-friendly style and less ISO James Harden ball. I think that if he could get to, you know, commit to that, if I was Denver, I would include Michael Porter Jr. and and maybe a couple other young guys in a trade for in a trade for uh, Harden because, you know, if Denver wants to be great, 
I think they need one more guy. I said on the lot the last podcast, you know, Denver's a good team. But they're at a point where they need to decide what they want. You know, maybe Bradley Beal's a better guy for them to go after. Probably, in my opinion, Beal will be, be a, a better fit for them in the current, you know, kind of system they have. But at, at a point, you have to decide, well, do you want to be a good team that makes the playoffs every year and that's competitive, or do you want to be great? You know, and I think that a trade, you know, whether it's a Harden or Beal could make them great. But I think, it, you know, if I'm Harden, Denver is a place I really, really would be interested in. That hasn't been on the reported list that he's put out. But I think Denver would be a good fit. I'm not as high on the Philly fit as some other people are. I think him and Embiid, Embiid is a dominant player who's playing really well. Had 45 points last night and 16 rebounds. He's he's dominating, but Embiid's not an above the rim rim runner and center. He he's a guy that scores a lot in the posts and with the ball in his hands. He's not like Christian Wood where you run pick and roll and he catches the lob or he dunks or, you know, he can do the pick and pop. And he can probably do that a little bit, the the rolling to the rim and dunking, but that's not really Embiid's game. Not saying him and James Harden wouldn't fit, but I don't love the fit as much as some people I know have been advocating for. I don't know if I'm Philly, if I feel like that's the move that I'm cashing Ben Simmons in for, uh, because that's who would have to be in the trade, I'd assume. So, Think, I think that the most likely trade destination is probably Philly. Uh, I think Miami could be interesting too uh, with him and, you know, he could fit with Jimmy and, and Bam down there. Uh, and I think Hero and Precious Achua and maybe a couple picks would be an interesting package for Houston to get back because those guys could both play with Wall and, and that type of thing. But Houston's in a tough spot with James Harden. I think what James Harden is doing is a bit unfair to, to, to Steven Silas, his teammates, and and John Wall. And I'm personally, as a, as a guy that, you know, I'm a big John Wall fan. I want to see him succeed. And, and right now, he's not be, being put in a fair situation as he tries to make a comeback. And, you know, he's have, he's averaging about 18 and 6, and he's playing he's playing okay and, pr- and pretty well. But he's just in a tough spot. The team's in a tough spot. With If, if your best player doesn't want to buy in to what the team is doing, it is very hard to put a good product out there on the floor and to, and to kind of play seamlessly. And, it, you know, quite frankly, Harden's not putting in the effort. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you guys is, is the COVID issue in the NBA. Uh, the NBA held a Board of Governors meeting yesterday, and they're implementing stricter health and safety guidelines. Uh, it includes things like less hand touching on the court, you know, how the guys at the free throw lines, they dap each other up or high five or like less of that during the game, mandatory mask on the bench. No, like I think at one point they were allowing one guest in your hotel room and things like that on road trips, but now it's no guest. And, you know, obviously they're COVID testing every day and doing the contact tracing thing and, and, and all this stuff. And I know there's been a lot of calls for them to cancel the season. Uh, as we've seen in other sports, uh, the MLB, NFL, college sports for that matter, uh, they've been doing, they've been playing and just dealing with COVID tests as they come and, and cor- having their players quarantine and trying to make it make the best of a of a less than ideal situation. We all know the coronavirus is a deadly virus. Um, I know people that have contracted it. I'm sure you guys listening know people that have contracted it. It's killed more Americans than it should have. Uh, It's a very scary thing. With that said, I think that 
telling the NBA to call it off at this point, the ship has already sailed to me. They already made their decision and they made the bed that they're currently lying in. I I don't I don't have a strong opinion about way they should never have played or or maybe they should have or I understand why they felt the need to make the season work. It's financial. It it the financial stuff works for both the the league itself, the owners, but it also works for the players. The players want their money just as bad as anyone else. You don't think these these guys want the millions of dollars they have coming. People also have to remember, not every player makes $20 million or $10 million. There's a lot of guys who haven't had their, their life-changing money yet or haven't had a big contract. They're making a million dollars or $500,000 if you're a, a young guy or a second round pick or a guy that's been brought up from the G League or a two-way contract. There's a lot of guys that don't make a ton of money. Yes, they make more money than the average person like you or me, but they don't make so much money that they don't want to make a salary for a year. So asking them to not play and not bring in the money that's a big deal for a lot of the players. Yeah, players like LeBron and and some of these guys that make Kevin Durant and 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 these Steph Curry that make a lot of money. Yeah, you can go. You have endorsements and stuff. You can go a season without making money. But a lot of these guys that they're making the vet minimum or they're making, you know, less than a million or you know, they that money is needed for their life. You know, they need money to survive. They need you know, some of them are providing, I'm sure, for their fam, like their families beyond their immediate family. They, you know, helping their mothers and fathers and, you know, get, get you know, get by and things like that. It's hard to say, you know, oh, well, they should just cancel the season and not play. Now, the argument is, well, maybe they should have done a bubble. Now, maybe they should have done that. But then you're asking players to to do the bubble. And we know how that took a toll on a lot of players last year. We had Thunder guard George Hill come out and say, hey, I'm a grown man. I'm going to do what I want. They're not going to make me stay in and not and do this and that with these protocols. If if I don't if I don't if I don't want to, you know, maybe, hey, maybe we shouldn't be playing if, if it's that serious. And I think that's a that's how a lot of players probably feel. But George Hill's made a lot of money in his career, so he has a luxury of maybe having that opinion that some of the younger guys that haven't made a ton of money, they they maybe don't feel like that. Now, I'm. I'm assuming that some of them don't feel like that, but I would imagine there's a large fraction of players that do want to play. And I would imagine, you know, 30 or 40% of them probably would rather not play in the COVID environment. But these leagues are trying to trying to straddle the fence of making the money and putting out the product. And they're doing the best they can with the contact tracing and and sitting players out and making them quarantine and testing every day and and they're, they're not jumping the line for the vaccines and they're letting the people that should get the vaccines get it first. And that's what they should do. And I feel like the NBA is, is, isn't doing as bad as some people are acting like they're doing. I think they're trying to manage it the best they can. They're trying to put out a product that requires travel, that requires staying at a hotel. You can't put people in a bubble if they're not in a bubble. So they're trying their best to keep people staying in and still while still going to practice and still going to games, which means they're still going outside. They're doing the best they can do. Is there areas that they can shore up? Yeah. And they're trying to shore those areas up now. We knew this was going to be the case. We knew there were going to be positive tests. Apparently, Jason Tatum has a positive te- test. Maxi Kleba of the Mavericks had a positive test. 
Michael Porter Jr. of the Denver Nuggets had a, po- a positive test. There's pr- uh, probably other players we don't know that had a positive test. There's a lot of teams that haven't, you know, been able to put eight guys on the court to be eligible to play the game. So games have been postponed. It's a lot going on. We knew this was going to happen. That's why they only made one. They only put out half of the season schedule to account for this type of thing. So they could make the proper schedule on the back half to account for games that were going to be postponed. Things are probably going to get better as the season goes forward because hopefully the vaccine becomes more readily available during that period. I know that's what the NBA has said and they're hoping for. But right now, it's going to be a little bit rocky at the beginning of the season as they're trying to figure out the best way to go about managing this system of playing games in the COVID environment. So I'm going to cut Adam Silver and the NBA a little slack. They're trying to figure it out. Yes, the virus is deadly. It scares me. It scares a lot of people. But NBA players, you have to realize, are probably in the subcategory of people that are at the least highest risk based on just their physical, like their physical specimens to be playing basketball at the level they're playing at. Look, I'm not a doctor, so I could be wrong on a level about that, but I would imagine that they're in a lower risk category of the virus being deadly given the high level of athlete and like the way their body can tolerate certain things. Again, I'm not a doctor, but I would just imagine that that would be true. So, you know, cut the NBA some slack, let them work through this, work through the right, you know, the protocols are going to need tweaking and they're, they're working to tweak them. I don't think it's a lost cause the NBA season. I think that they're doing the best they can. There's going to be postponed games. There's going to be players out with contact tracing and they're going to be positive tests and it's unfortunate, but that's where we are in society. And that's where these leagues are. They're trying the, their best to, to make things work because not making the money would be devastating for the league from a financial standpoint and would be, you know, not good for the players. The players want their money too. So, and there's there's a lot of people that cover the league for a living and you got to think about, you know, those jobs too in the, in the arena staff, I'm sure has been cut already because there's no fans in a lot of these arenas. But there's a lot that goes into it. So I think some people look at canceling the season as just, oh, well, you know, cancel the season, the money and stuff can wait. But it, there's a lot of jobs involved with these NBA teams and and canceling the season affects a lot of people's work and a lot of people's income and ability to provide for their families. So I think that is something we also need to consider uh, as the league works through what to do uh, during this, this time with COVID. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here with, with Kyrie Irving, that situation uh, that, you know, I'm definitely going to be keeping a close eye on that. With what happens with James Harden, I would imagine that a trade is probably on our, on the horizon within the next couple of weeks. I don't see how Houston can go forward. If it was me, I probably would just send James Harden home until you can work out a trade because putting him on the floor at the at playing so indifferently is a detriment to the entire roster. And you might as well just not play him if he really doesn't want to be on the court for the Houston Rockets that badly. And as far as the COVID protocols go and what the league should do, let's give them time. Let's give them time to work it out and let's enjoy the NBA season, at least while it lasts, because you never know. Things things might get too hectic and they do have to cancel things. And as a giant fan of the NBA, I want to see these games. The season has been pretty good so far. Been a lot of blowouts and a lot of games that haven't been as close. But overall, 
I've enjoyed this season so far. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hooping with Row podcast. Again, the Hooping with Row podcast is available pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, all those good places. And I look forward to talking to y'all soon.